Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. From Dial Square to Where is proud to have Gunas vs. Cancer as its charity sponsor for the season. Set up by the Gunas podcast, it is a brilliant charity raising money for leukemia and lymphoma research. Please help me to help them reach their fundraising goal by visiting gunasversuscancer.com and see how to donate or bid for some great Guna merchandise. Thank you. All right, Treacle. People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Hello and welcome to From Dial Square to Where. Now look people, okay, you all know what's going on yeah? You've got busy lives. But let's get something straight. Subscribe. Start listening. Start liking. You know it's the right thing to do. You know, at the end of the day, when you look back on your week, have you done anything to be proud of? If you ask your parents right about now, they're going to say no. No, you haven't. But if you subscribe, if you like, if you start listening, if you click on the link and start enjoying and start contributing to From Dial Square to Where, they may think a little better of you. Because right about now, guys, okay, you're not, not in their good books. Like it, subscribe to it, enjoy it. Take care, all. Hello and welcome to this new episode of From Dial Square to Where, um, recording the day after the day that was um, against Watford. I've got so many things going around in my head, I'm, sh- I'm bound to forget some of the things I really want to talk about, because it's important to know actually, I've never said this before, but every single podcast I ever do, any video, whatever, there's no preparation that goes into it basically as far as I don't make any notes of things I want to talk about everything that I do is always um, off the cuff everything I ever talk about is always off the cuff so um, I really it's hard to know where to start really yesterday with yesterday's game but I've um, made I've I've never hid my my, uh, reservations about Unai Emery I've put um, a couple of tweets out since yesterday's game regarding this. I mean, I've never hidden the, the, my feelings. From the day he was announced, I wasn't very pleased about it. Um, going back to his time in Spain, I've had it. Uh, I've seen a, a tweet come out today. Been confirmed my, my thoughts about about that because he had 30 games against. Pep Guardiola, Simeone, uh, Mourinho in Spain. 
30 games against those three managers and he didn't win a single one of them. And that is he's always being sort of out-coached, out-tacticked by these managers. And that doesn't obviously take into account um, the time that he's been in England either or France. There's always been concerns from previous fan groups of the clubs that he's managed abroad. None of them are particularly warm to him. I've not heard a single fan base that's ever really sort of uh, taken to Unai Emery, and that's always been a concern for me. You see match reports from games that he's managed abroad, and they're always the same concerns and uh, problems that he's had since he's been Arsenal manager. So yeah, it's it's always been a, a big concern for me. And I've always raised those concerns because I always just basically tell the truth um, of how I'm feeling. I don't really hide, try to hide anything uh, as far as that's concerned. But it doesn't mean I haven't supported him all the way through. People need to understand that. that you can have concerns and, and worries and criticisms, but it doesn't mean you're not supportive. There's been a few people that have tweeted um, saying that if you have any concerns or if you're calling for Emery's head, that, you know, basically you're an idiot um, after uh, a year after after he's been in charge. And it's been uh, sort of 18 months that he's been with our players. And I see no way that he's improved any of the players at all. So, of course, you're entitled to have concerns as a supporter. And I've always said, as soon as the players and uh, cross the white line, and that includes the manager, I'm a, a completely devoted Arsenal fan and a supporter. Not once in all of my life have I ever booed a player or, you know, just slag players off just for the sake of it like a, a lot of other fans that you can hear around you in the stadium or nowadays you can see on, on social media and that play uh, the fans that directly tweet any of the players or, or manager um, with vile abuse uh, that's just despicable I would never do that in a million years and um, you know those people are just uh, idiots but it's not idiots or idiotic to tweet out your criticism and concerns and if anyone comes back to me about that anything that I write <clears throat> I'm very very happy to back up everything that I say and, dis- and basically describe the concerns that I have and the reasons behind them and um, I've had a few really good interesting you know uh, threads that have come out of that and um, good conversations with some fans but equally, you know, I've had a, you know, just a vile load of abuse thrown at me uh, for showing those concerns. And um, that, to me, and I've tweeted this uh, before to uh, various um, people, when they do that, it just shows that they have not got the brain capacity to actually have an in-depth, intelligent conversation 
about the matter. Instead, they just go to vile abuse and bad, you know, language uh, throwing at you because they just haven't got the knowledge to have a discussion about it or the intelligence to have a discussion about it. So that's the only thing they can do. Um, so I just uh, block and move on because I'm wasting my time um, just trying to um, describe uh, and explain my um, opinions to those types. And uh, yeah, so I'll do a bit of that now, really, because um, the main concerns I've got about uh, Unai Emery is that everyone knows this. He's, He's just physically not got a plan. He hasn't got a way of playing. I think the way of playing for Unai Emery is to not have a way of playing. And um, I've been banging this drum for so long, it's just I feel like a broken record. However, instead of working to the team strengths, um, with the squad that we've got and the players that we've got, we all know our strength now, especially after the summer we've had with the incomings and outgoings. Our strength is very much in attack and we've got some very good creative midfielders now. And our weakness is still the defence. Um, but Unai Emery, instead of spending all the time that he spends reviewing videos and looking at our opposition, if he did just reinvest that time instead on training the players, because he must spend hours and hours and hours looking at opposition, looking at the teams we're coming up, and working out a way to nullify that team. And that, to me, is why I have my massive reservations about Unai Emery, because you, you just can't be a really successful team without playing to your own team's strengths. You're trying always to nullify the opposition. And that and it just leads to constant formation changes. And the players just don't get it It, from week to week. It's obvious that the players just don't really know what they're supposed to be doing on the pitch from one game to another. I noticed, I don't know whether I'm alone in this, but when um, Reese Nelson came on yesterday, Unai Emery was talking to him in his ear, pointing to the pitch. And I could just just see in Reese Nelson's face that he nodded and uh, and then sort of jogged off to the edge of the pitch, ready to come on. And you could just see in his face that he had not got a clue what Uno Emery just told him. It, it was obvious. His facial expression said it all. He did not have a clue what Uno Emery just told him to do when he went onto the pitch. It, it does concern me with his, his not very good, sort of, well, I call it pigeon English. It's, I'm not knocking him for that at all. It's not his first language. He's learnt it. He's doing well with it. But he, his press conferences, you just, it's just ramblings, really. It does, it's nothing meaningful that um, really comes out. It's all the same old stuff that managers trawl out. Nothing really interesting. It's just obvious stuff. And uh, I can only imagine that Whatever he says to the players in the in the changing rooms, are all just, it's always the same. Um, nothing really meaningful coming out of it. 
and I just wish we'd have a consistent lineup, consistent formation, just for you know eight, ten, twelve games, just to see if we can really get a settled side and. I keep, I keep using this expression, playing to our strengths, because that is the most important thing to me. Really utilising the quality of our midfield and forwards, linking them up. Because as, uh, as I said in the last podcast I released, attack is our best form of defence. And if we could get, could have got yesterday, a third or even a fourth goal, whilst we are able to do so, and we're really on top of the game, then that in itself is the best way of defending because the team that you're playing know that they're beaten and they will not be um, really upping the ante come the second half because uh, it, how, how often have uh, teams come back from three or four goals down I know it's happened in the past and there's obvious exceptions to that rule and it's happened to us against um, Newcastle I think it was once but it's not very often and once you've um, got a team's heads to drop then that in itself is a very good way of defending because they're not likely to uh, be as positive in their play so that's what we should have done yesterday and um, from going 2-0 up we're just uh, we're a different team when we came out in the second half I just I said this after the um, Europa League final as well. We were the best team at half-time, in my opinion, against Chelsea. And uh, we were probably slightly ahead on points if you're using the boxing scoring system. And when we came out for the second half, it was just diabolical. And that is where managers really, really use their experience and earn their money at half-time. And yesterday was just the same I mean what on earth have you said to the players at half time to make them come out and be as abject as they were I'd love to know I really would love to know back to front Socrates everyone knows what I feel about Socrates he shouldn't be in the team Emery's fault keeps picking him keeps making mistakes and that mistake yesterday was the worst I've ever seen. Ever. David Luiz, I've backed him since the day we bought him. And I've always said that I've loved watching him play. I was very pleased that we bought him. I can't excuse the fact that he's given away two penalties in two games now. Oh, no, two penalties in three games. But in his defence, he's not got any confidence in the player that's playing alongside him. And that's got to make a difference He's, he can't comfortably play his own game knowing that behind him is someone solid so that's probably he's making him a bit less a bit less confident on a pitch and a bit nervous he's got to do the role of two players really in lots of cases because he might turn around and not have a clue where Socrates is because his positional play as we've seen is ridiculous as well on occasion and um, the fullbacks, of course, have no got no uh, confidence in those as well. If you're Louise, so that is going to be some kind of excuse, if you like, for 
his performances. But overall yesterday, I, th- I was quite impressed with him, apart from the penalty he gave away. And he was caught on his wrong foot and he just couldn't adjust his body shape. Uh, couldn't sort of get back in uh, to win the ball. He just put his leg out. And uh, unfortunately, it was inside the area. And that was uh, another, it was a bad judgment call from David Luiz. Does it mean he's a completely useless player? No, because I've just heard this morning that before he joined Arsenal, the last penalty he gave away was in 2011. I'll just let that sink in for a moment. 2011 was the last penalty David Luiz gave away. And he's given away two in the last three games for Arsenal. So, in all of his Chelsea career, he only gave away three penalties in total. So, no one can come round and say that's what he always does because it's not the case. It's just simply not factual. On top of that, the midfield in front of him He's not offering any kind of protection as well. So not only has he got the worry of the poor defensive qualities of our fullbacks and Socrates next to him, he's got no protection in front of him either. So that's a big concern. It is starting to make me think that maybe, just maybe, it might be worth trying out maybe in the Europa League um, when Rob Holding is back ready to start having Rob Holding and Chambers as the centre-back pairing and instead of Torreira sitting in front of them or Xhaka of course um, maybe moving Louise into that position in front of the back two that is um, something to consider I wasn't uh, keen on the idea before because we bought David Luiz simply because we're so poor in central defence. And that would mean moving him out of central defence. But um, the other option, of course, is Callum Chambers in front of Luiz and Holding. But I'd be more comfortable with having David Luiz there because of his passing ability, collecting it from the back two and distributing the ball more accurately and ability to sort of run with the ball a bit better than um, Callum Chambers potentially um, so yeah that's food for thought and it also looks like um, under Emery stewardship that Pepe is just devoid of any kind of confidence as well I mean he's gone from being the hottest property in Europe that many teams were chasing to looking like a, a pale shadow of the player he's supposed to be. I mean, that I know that uh, it's only his fifth game, well, not fifth full game even, in the Premier League, and he's still finding his feet. However, he's not looking like he's going to be finding those feet anytime soon from his performances. Yesterday was probably his worst one. And that's a major concern as well. It was nice to see um, Ozil back in the squad in some way. In some way, it was good. And the pass that he made for the second goal was was a good one. Not as good as some people are making out. Like 
he threaded it through the eye of a needle. No, he didn't. The gap that he played it through was actually very big. And a lot of it was down to make the Niles' movement and knowing what um, Ozil was going to do. So a lot of that was, was very much down to Maitland-Niles. It wasn't, um, you know, in the same class, that pass, as the one that um, Ceballos did for Spain the other week. But, you know, that's, that was a much, much better pass. But I'm not knocking Ozil for it. I'm just saying, don't go forward about the specific pass that he made then, because it wasn't amazing. It was a good one. But overall, I thought uh, Ozil had a decent game. But he, again, was accommodated by Emery on the pitch. He didn't. Um, he should have played a specific role. If he was going to play, he should have been on that left of a, a fluid front three, in my opinion. If um, I would rather have seen Nelson start the game, as I said in my um, my video that I put out before the match at the week you know, on the Friday. My, with my starting 11 I would have much preferred to have had Nelson start than uh, than anything else but when I did see Sabios and um, Ozil in the, in the team initially when the squad was announced an hour before kickoff, I was you know pleased because they're both good creative players but as it turned out as as again he's, uh, it showed that his lack of sort of tactical awareness and the way to set a team up was lacking by Emery because it just seemed extremely disjointed and no one knew where they should have been on the pitch. Um, it's, I mean, Xhaka, uh, he had a, a first one to criticise him, but I'm also very happy to praise him when praise is needed. Uh, praise isn't needed for yesterday, but he wasn't too bad. He was by nowhere near our worst player on the day. He did some good things, but he wasn't he was just still a bit average you know I, I just he didn't make any glaring errors um, but he wasn't uh, amazing either on the day so I would have much rather have him have uh, Willock in the pit on the pitch from the start as well because of his ability to, to actually run with the ball I think he could have done everything that Xhaka did yesterday but also add that extra dimension that Xhaka can't do. Um, so that would have been another positive move if we'd have started with Willock because uh, of, of connecting the front three and um, the midfield. But people are saying that it was definitely a diamond that he played yesterday. Well, on the match that I was watching, the stream that I was watching yesterday, because I had it on two different um, things, I had it on my uh, on my tablet and I also had it on the telly. And um, when I had it, uh, the stream that I had, which was I believe for a, a Dutch stream, um, I can't remember. I turned the, the volume down. I was listening to the telly, but the the one on the tablet had the. Um, formation as the 4-2-3-1 so I'm pretty sure that they were showing the, um, the Sky Sports pictures it just had a different um, commentary on there so I don't know maybe um, I didn't see it on the Sky Sports um, 
stream initially that when they actually walk out they, they announce the team and show the formation but I'm pretty sure it was a Sky Sports um, video that they were showing and they definitely had it as a 4-2-3-1 um, no yes 4-2-3-1 I beg your pardon so that's a bit doubtful but the interesting thing is that it was hard to tell you know when you actually watch the game what formation we were playing so it could have been a 4 um, diamond 2 formation but it could have also been a 4-2-3-1 I, I, I couldn't physically work it out and that's the main concern as well you know when you're watching the game it's just like well how are we playing and it's very difficult to say so so many disappointing aspects really yesterday the substitutions the next thing I'll talk about the substitutions are continue to be baffling by Unai Emery why the hell he took off Sabios and I think that was a big big issue with the whole performance yesterday it seemed to me when Sabios was taken off that we stopped playing we stopped having that real impetus in our game and it just shows again that Emery is tactically naive because if we, we really needed to go for another goal to kill the game off and to stem the tide but instead he tried to hold on to a lead and we've never been able to do that I cannot remember the last time we had a team that was capable of taking the lead and then parking the bus and holding on to that lead comfortably knocking the ball around with no worry very very few matches have ever done that I mean you know I may be thinking about Real Madrid away when Henri scored the only goal for example but that's one in a one in a hundred games that we've ever been able to do that we're not that type of team we never have been for ages not not since George Graham so the way that he does his substitutions nowadays really leaves a lot to be desired I mean against Tottenham bringing on Mkhitaryan just, when we were going for the, the going for the win after coming from 2-0 down we had the impetus with us and we should have gone for it and he brings on Mkhitaryan instead of one of the attacking options on the bench and yesterday when we really needed to stem the tide we just went defensive and tried to hold on to the lead just beggars belief really and it's very disappointing and I feel the same as I did in the running last year that's the way I feel now and if people tell me that it's overreacting by being really critical only after five games it's not I am going on Emery's history as a manager not just with Arsenal either that is why I'm concerned he's always been the same and we've seen it all last season when under a head coach by the end of the season when, he, when he'd had a lot of time with the players day in day out on the training pitch we got worse as a team rather than better under his coaching and then we've started this season in the same way and that is not an overreaction that's just facing facts and people need to wake up face facts and actually see what's going on under their noses 
rather than calling people idiots when they have an opinion on the coach. I'll be right back just after this short message. Have you liked it yet? No? Why not? What's going on? You should be ashamed of yourselves. Your grandparents right about now are thinking, uh, wrong ends. Absolute wrong ends. This is wrong and you know it. Start liking, start subscribing, get on with it. Thank you very much. Now, another part of the reason for concern around surrounding the performance of um, Unai Emery are the players and uh, their potential discontent. Now, we've all probably seen the article from Alan Smith, or at least what was said by Alan Smith, if you haven't read the whole thing. And um, whatever you do think of Alan Smith, and I personally still really like Alan Smith, always have, because he was integral to the team when I was uh, a young supporter. And I, I loved Alan Smith, I loved his goals, and I loved the um, goalie scored in the European Cup Winners Cup final um, the party played in Anfield 89 and for me he will always be an Arsenal legend and I know that some people have differing opinions on that because of his thoughts on the previous manager and uh, him being critical um, but I genuinely believe that that's all down to the fact that he takes his job very seriously at Sky and he very much doesn't want to be seen as really a, you know a biased pundit a biased sort of co-commentator he's gone to great lengths to ensure that his professionalism for his job um, shows that he isn't that and uh, he probably he admitted he was on the um, the Gooners podcast not too long ago and he almost admitted, um, in fact, I think he did admit that sometimes he, he might go too far the other way and uh, it's, a, it's a fine balancing act. But for me, he has played a significant part in Arsenal's history and will always, you know, remain, um, you know, a legend of the club. And his comments have been born out of, you know, concern and he does still love the club he'll always love the club and although that it can be seen as um, sort of meddling you know and, and sort of stirring up trouble well what's he supposed to say if he's got those honest opinions and he, he, he's got to say something as you know he may well regret saying what he said but I'm sure 100% sure that he said it with the best of intentions now <clears throat> a major concern for me is that without our forward two without Aubameyang and Lacazette where on earth would the club be 
pretty much all of our goals go through those two. Um, whether it's uh, assisting or scoring, I think we would be nowhere. I mean, we could we could genuinely be in a sort of bot- uh, middle table to the bottom half table team without those two in the last couple of years. They've literally dragged us through. And um, it was widely publicised over the summer that we would be uh, getting them to sign new contracts and that hasn't happened. And you could see the exasperation um, when you just looked at the heavens from Aubameyang against uh, Watford after they scored. And you could just... Im- yeah, I'm, I'm sure he actually mouthed the words for fuck's sake, you know, when he looked at his heavens. And if it, if it just carries on like this, he's just going to be demoralised and he's going to be thinking, do I, do I, in his twilight of his career, even though he's still looking like, you know, the, he's absolutely yeah, at the peak of his powers, you can't disregard his age and he will be thinking, well, you know, we, is it the right thing to do to to sign another contract? No matter how much he he may love the club, and I genuinely think he he does love the club, but he will only naturally start thinking whether he should potentially move to another club where he could have a crack at the Champions League again. Um, and it would just uh, it would just be devastating to the club at this point to lose someone of his caliber because he is genuinely one of the best strikers in Europe. And the same for Lacazette, he will be thinking exactly the same. And um, Sabios too, he might have second thoughts about you know joining us. If, there, if there ever, that was a possibility, which I, I genuinely think it is, because everything he's saying is definitely the truth of what he's thinking, because, as I've mentioned before, he's got a record of being quite outspoken in the media and saying what he, saying what he thinks, and he's uh, said some things about the, the Catalan people in the past, which has been well publicised, and... He's never sort of uh, retracted those thoughts or anything, as far as I know. Um, and he's, uh, yeah, he's quite a sort of a, a controversial figure, really, back in Spain. Um, so for him to be saying these things about uh, Arsenal, the way he feels about the team and the club and everything, it's definitely a very good sign that he might want to stay at the end of the season. But things carry on in the way that they are. And... You know, players are still getting picked without any kind of repercussions for following the, these mistakes that they're making and being chosen as captain as in one case. It's not sending out the right signal to the, the club as a whole and the players and, you know, to have no kind of comeback on, on those types of things and the shambolic way that we're playing with players clearly not knowing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, I just heard another podcast, uh, which was um, the Footballistically Arsenal podcast, and um, it was Josh on there 
just said that when, because he was at the game against uh, Watford, that when they got given the penalty, Ainsley Maitland-Niles sprinted to the side of the pitch to the dugout and asked what way that the goalkeeper should dive. And he got clearly told that he needed to dive to the left and, he, and Ainsley gestured back to the goalkeeper to dive to the left which he duly did and as we all know he just slotted it to the right as a, as a result I mean that is just amateurish it's embarrassing truly an embarrassment that we're doing things like that and we haven't I mean for me if Emery dedicated all the time that he does to the video analysis to instead working with the team and their duties and their tactics and where they should be and where they should stand and if he dedicated half that t- or all that time instead of this stupid video analysis then we'd be a far better team for it because let's face it he did an awful lot of video analysis for the Watford match and it was utterly pointless because it was done on the back of a previous manager. They changed their manager in the meantime. So everything that he did to set up for that match, again, this was said on the Footballistically Arsenal podcast because they had um, got uh, Nigel, or sorry, his surname is escaping me, who is the half-time sort of interviewer that goes onto the pitch at uh, the Emirates. And he was the guest on there. And... Um, he openly said that you know that's what he would have done and it was all done on the previous manager so all that time's wasted in preparation for that game because he set up for the team managed by Javi Garcia and it's just um, it's ridiculous because again as we all know against Watford he shouldn't have bothered about what they were going to do to us he set up the same way for Watford as he did for Liverpool. And he thought that they are going to offer the same kind of challenge for us as Liverpool would. And as it turned out, because of the management of the team that day, they did. But we made them look like that. If we'd have just gone for it, then they would have offered nowhere near that. They would have just literally given up after, you know, being probably... as, as, as they probably rightfully should have been, you know, three or three or potentially four down in the first half. And that is the way we need to do our defending by getting the teams to surrender during the match by outplaying them and outscoring them early and just not letting them off the hook. And in a couple of podcasts I've done recently following the Watford match, I was on the Arsenal Circle, Arsenal Fan Circle podcast an hour after the final whistle and then yesterday um, because now I'm talking to you it's uh, it's Tuesday I was on the Mr Arsenal podcast last night I said this uh, there that we are like a gladiator or centurion in one of the films that's um, had a sword fight 
got their opponent on the floor, got our sword to their neck, and we spare them. We spare the other person to be the, the good guy, walk off, and then the other person gets up and stabs us right through the back because we uh, dared to spare them. And um, that's what we are like as a football team. We're not going for the jugular. We're not being ruthless and killing the opponent. We're just letting them off the hook after going ahead. And uh, they come back and bite us on the arse because we're not that ruthless team that we should be. And I think it's uh, you know it's almost a perfect analogy for how we are and how we have been for many, many years. So we are definitely 100% not the kind of team that can go ahead and then hold on to that lead because we're not we're just never clever enough to do that and I can't remember the last time we were it must have been George Graham days there's been a few different you know examples I'm sure throughout the years and the one example I can give is perhaps the when we played Real Madrid in the Bernabeu and the famous Thierry Henry 1-0 and we saw the game out but that's very, very few and far between. We, we're not that kind of team. We can't do it. So when we do go ahead, we do have to take advantage of it and score a few goals in order to kill the game off. And we're just not able to do that. And it's killing us. Absolutely killing us. So with these tactics that we've got, <clears throat> we can't afford excuse me, <clears throat> to let the players become really disgruntled especially the front two because we'll be dead as a club at the moment if we lost them and I'm sorry to sound really harsh but they are far more important to the club than the manager is I'd much I mean everyone surely must agree that if we're going to lose someone out of our front two or Ceballos versus losing the manager if there's only one loser in that in that situation, and that's that's Unai Emery, because because the players in this case are far more important to the club than the manager. And I am not of that way inclined to think normally. I don't like thinking like that, but it's a hundred percent true in this case, and it's not as if we're going to be, you know, held to ransom by them or whatever. We've just got to, 100%, we've got to get their contracts tied up. And the way things are going, I wouldn't be surprised or... And, and I would totally understand if they were thinking that they're having second thoughts about signing new contracts. Because they're just, all they can see at the moment is Keystone Cops on the pitch. So, let's get that situation resolved as quickly as possible and um, one way or another basically and the way it's turning out I can see Aubameyang playing on Thursday in the Europa League the first game away and that should not be the case Um, I do want to see all of the players that (coughs) excuse me (coughs) all the players that let us down so badly against Watford they need, they owe us one, they need a big performance and need to repay the club for that awful shambolic performance. Um, and 
if we could just, I mean, I've, I've been going on about this um, preferred midfield that I have for so long now. That I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but we desperately need to have a settled side and play in the same fluid way for several matches on the trot without keeping this stupid chopping and changing in formations because the players aren't going to know their ass from their elbow. And if we could play a midfield with 100% including Torreira, um, for me at the moment, Willock and Ceballos, because proven, I think it's proven to us against the Watford that Gwendozi is literally being overhyped to within an inch of his life at the moment and he is believing all this hype. Um, that stupid gesture he did as he walked off, which came back to bite him on the arse literally a couple of minutes later, just shows his immaturity. And he, the game that he had overall shows his immaturity. Um, he is, I think he's definitely getting a bit too big for his boots. He's not consistent enough or mature enough at the moment to play every single match. And I think he's just shown that at the weekend. And I know the same could be said of Willock, and when he came on, he, he had a bit of a disaster himself, but he should have started the match, and the match would have gone on in, in a different right, a different vein, because we needed someone like him, with his athleticism and his running ability with the ball, to run at the their defence, and and he, he does do a bit of everything. He does go backwards and forwards with um, a lot more... Um, like I say, athleticism and legs than Granite Jacker does. He does a, he does much more for the team. And for him to come on in the, in the way that he did in that sort of game, just we didn't see the best of him, of course. And the same sort of thing could be levelled at him with regards to the you know the immaturity. But the differences between him and Gwendozi is that Willock is not um, too cocky or big for his boots. He knows the club inside out. He's been with the club since he was a kid, and it means a lot more to him. He's not um, getting all cocky and big-headed, and it won't affect his game in the same way that um, it did with Gwendozi, unfortunately. So um, that's the reason why I would put him as a, as a starter ahead of Gwendozi, week in, week out, at the moment. And uh, overall, I love Gwendozi, and I think he's got the world at his feet, but he can't allow an ego to get the better of him because we've seen it so many times where that's just ruined the career for a very promising footballer. Um, and I just don't think he should be a starter every week. Um, he's still, like I say, in, in the very formative years of his uh, career, as is Willock, but I think that Willock should be a much more level-headed and mature player for his age than Gwendozi is and that's my opinion anyway um, Torreira is clearly the best midfielder that we've got and he needs to sit in front of the back four and orchestrate the play from there and stay there and be very sort of um, disciplined in his role and the other two with uh, Sabayas and Willock they have got boundless energy and skill and, and youth and uh, athleticism 
and um, the right kind of attitude um, to supply the front three and to help protect the back, the back four. So I just hope to God that we, I don't, I don't expect it to happen at all, but if we could just settle on a, on a formation, stop worrying too much about the way our opponents are going to play, stop all this video analysis, which is clearly not working anyway, and just concentrate on perfecting our own style of play. That has got to be an urgent matter to resolve, because I I definitely, 100%, think that the that Josh Cronk um, is ruthless enough to pull the trigger, and I'm sure Eni Emery is intelligent enough to know that as well. So, let's uh, see what uh, bears fruit. Now, just finally, um, as I record this, it's Tuesday, and um, tomorrow I've got a very exciting live show coming up on, on YouTube with the one and only Kevin Campbell, who is a league winner, league cup winner, FA cup winner, European cup winners, cup winner, with Arsenal, uh, amongst um, lots of other fantastic achievements throughout his football career, uh, with Everton, Forest, um, he's got a very interesting story from his time in uh, Turkey, which is very relevant for the, this day and age, um, from his time with Trabzon Spor, uh, where he was forced out of the club by uh, racism from um, the owner of the club, which is uh, a horrendous story, it cut short his time in, uh, in Turkey, um, so hopefully we'll be, get a chance to talk about that on the evening as well, and um, we're going to be joined by Ryan from the Mr Arsenal podcast, and the very funny Glenn, uh, Glenn D-I-T-M on Twitter, who's a uh, Joined, joined me last week on the show as well. I've been, I've been on a few shows with him now. Uh, great guy, the loud New Yorker, and um, looking forward to this show very much. So, if I get this uh, podcast out on time, then please do um, subscribe and hit the notification button for when we go live. But due to be starting at seven o'clock tomorrow, and uh, it's proving to be um, a very, very good show. Uh, where you, yes you, could be on it with us. The best viewer on the day who is most interactive on the comments section, who entertains us the most, will join us on the show with the one and only Kevin Campbell. So, I don't know how many opportunities you're going to get to do that in your life, um, but to be on the, on the show with a, an Arsenal legend is uh, not something that corrupts up every day so please do watch subscribe and share with all your friends and family and uh, we've got some very very exciting potential guests coming up in the uh, coming weeks as well with some hopefully some more Arsenal legends dare I say but um, I will obviously not confirm anything until it's signed, sealed, and delivered. But um, yeah, the, the chances are that we could be going down um, the road of some very, very exciting guests sort of moving forward. So I hope to see you watching 
tomorrow in the chat box and um, be as entertaining as possible with your comments. Um, I'm sure you'll ask some questions to, to Kevin. We'll get through as many as we can uh, on the night. But um, yeah, we're going to be talking about the, the best tweets that we've come across um, throughout this week and, and recently. Um, and what's really sort of uh, concerning the Arsenal fan base or some funny stories, funny tweets, whatever it may be, we'll be going through during the show. So, uh, yeah, once again, thank you ever so much for listening. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes. Um, very much appreciated if you could do that for us. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Really want to get the numbers up there and hit the magical first milestone of 100 subscribers. That would mean the world to me. So please help where you can. And I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Take care. Thanks a lot for listening. I've just finished um, recording the live show on YouTube where I was thrilled to have Kevin Campbell as the guest, along with Ryan from uh, the Mr. Arsenal podcast, um, Glenn, the ITM, the mad New Yorker, as usual. That was uh, fantastic to have him on again as well. And the winning viewer who was the uh, the one the comment section on the night that was dan uh, which is at dan kooks and uh, give him a follow because he is also the host of the tapping football uh, podcast which i really recommend they offer some really good analysis the guys um and uh, their knowledge is uh, fantastic of the game there are a variety of fans from different clubs, Arsenal, Spurs, Man United, um, and they all offer some really sound opinions on the game, And uh, but they do it in a, in a fantastic format, a fantastic way, so give them a, a follow as well and listen to their podcast. And uh, yeah, it's Dan that came in onto the show and had the opportunity to air his views and have a chat to Kevin Campbell. Um, so if, that, if you want that to be you next week, then please tune in. The podcast version of the show will be out shortly following this. And um, go ahead and watch it on YouTube. And please, whilst you're there, subscribe. Tick the notifications bell so you will be notified of any future episodes, which uh, we'll be hopefully having every week with some fantastic guests as well. So please tune in next time. So thanks ever so much, like I say, for listening to this. And um, please rate five stars on iTunes, that'd be really appreciated. It would help the podcast get noticed. I'll speak to you again next week. Take care. Bye bye.